Star Trek Excelsior is proud to present our Boxing Day special, the biographical file of Dr. Melissa Sharp. Excerpt from Starfleet Quadrennial Performance Review, Starbase 911, Union System, Rayan Sector. <coughs> Name? Melissa Sharp. Uh, MD. Rank? Ensign. Date of birth? Stardate 18963.4. So, what is that? December 18th, 2341? I didn't wait. Uh, short and stumpy, respectively. Doctor- Please be more specific, Ensign, or this interview will take a great deal longer than it needs to. 157 centimeters, give or take. And about 11 stone. And metric, please, Ensign Sharp. 71 kilograms. Errant eyes. Sort of a dark red. I think it's black. Well, you're an idiot. Eyes are gray. That will be all, Ensign. That's it? From me, yes. You still have the written portion to fill out. Oh, I see. Thank you? Oh, thank you, Ensign. Doctor. Let's see what we have here. Personality profile, service history, they can look that up themselves. Physical profile, that sounds easy. <clears throat> Computer, record. Melissa Sharp is in good health. She does a water aerobics workout routine three times a week and surfs whenever she gets the chance. Also, she is a doctor of medicine. End recording. Idiots. Let's give them a personality to stick it to. Computer? Personality profile. Dr. Sharp is widely known for her bubbly personality. She makes people around her smile just because of her sunny outlook on life. Live life to the fullest. Enjoy things wherever you are. Celebrate because you aren't in the morgue yet. Etc. Etc. End recording. And so on and so forth. Biography. Okay, let's get this over with. Biography. I was born... Oh, computer, just begin recording. I was born into a family of doctors. Human, mostly. A little Andorian way up on the maternal side of the tree? That's an interesting story for another day. I loved medicine. Patience? I did not have that much use for patience. There's nothing rewarding about knitting bones and sinew back together and hoping you don't kill the person on the table in the process. I watched what medical practice did to my father and decided to become a researcher. I was good at research. And if you're going to do research, you either do it with Starfleet Medical or you go home and talk about how you almost made it into Starfleet Medical. I went through the academy like anybody else, then spent eight years earning my doctorate, doing whatever I could to stay away from patients. Although, oftentimes, I didn't have a choice. 
When I was finished, and they finally gave me my baby blue lab coat, I got myself assigned to a xenobiology lab in Dauntless, working on the multi-generational genetic impact of cross-species fertility. Published an important paper, actually, on ribosomes, which no one who reads this file will ever have heard of. Soon enough, the Federation provoked the Dominion into declaring a war on us. Billions of people died. Only a fraction were military. Captain Sisko and Starfleet did everything in their power to prevent the Federation Council from forging a negotiated peace. I hope they can live with that. God knows a lot of them died for it. I did everything I could to avoid transfer to the front lines during the war. I found and fostered cutting-edge research on metaphasic radiation and biomimetic limb regeneration. I transferred back to San Francisco, and our lab saved a lot of lives, a lot more than we would have as combat medics or starship doctors. But then, one day in the third year of the war, San Francisco became the front line. The Breen bombarded Earth, and there were Jem'Hadar in the streets, and I was dying in the Presidio grass before I knew what was happening. What can you do after that? My lab had burned down, half my colleagues were dead, and the outside world wasn't staying away. After I recovered, I transferred to Starbase 133. Real patients. And I was very, very good. To my chagrin, I realized I was better in practice than I was in research. By that time, though, the war was over. My records showed a long pattern of avoiding service on the front lines. Half of Starfleet, meanwhile, held their current positions by virtue of battlefield promotion. They knew I was a great doctor. I didn't give them much choice about that. But they thought I was a coward, and as far as command was concerned, I could stay a medical ensign at a deep space outpost until Vulcan froze over. Six years passed, nothing changed. Then the Mercury came back into port after a two-year deep space assign. We were their first port of call, and I handled the routine post-mission medical checks, quarantines, physicals, and so forth. The Mercury's exec was a young commander named Rachel Cortez. Came up the ranks through Tactical Branch, another battlefield promotion story. As first officer, she worked with me extensively during the medical comprehensive. And she liked me. Admired my skill, enjoyed my bedside manner, and even listened to some of my ideas about how things ought to be. On her last day on the base, Rachel took me aside and told me all that. And then she said that none of it mattered. I was never going to advance in rank or redeem myself in the eyes of my fellow officers until I'd served on a deep space ship, put myself in harm's way, and sacrificed for my fellow officers. She told me to look for a starship posting. I thought about it. When Rachel was promoted to captain and given the Excelsior, I decided. I applied there, and she was happy to get me. Life on a starship has been ugly, painful. The things I've seen, the things that have been done to me, I'm not sure they were worth it. But I'm here, and I will be here. I am Melissa Sharp, doctor of medicine, and I am not a coward. End recording. Hi, this is James Haney, executive producer of the show, checking in to give a little word at the end of our Boxing Day special. Uh, We are hired at work on our new episode, The Graceful End, but we felt that we we had to put out something on Boxing Day, as has become our tradition over the past several years, 
Uh, and we hope you enjoy this this little tidbit we were able to put together. Uh, it's not too much, but it took two, at least two people on the cast, uh, all-nighters, uh, outside of their other, their busy Christmas and uh, other production responsibilities uh, in order to make this. So, a big hand to them. Uh, an update on our production schedule, in case you're listening to this live and not you know, three years from now when all of it is said and done. Uh, we are hard at work on The Graceful End. Uh, it is a very big episode. Uh, it's already been uh, five months in just development, uh, and now it's going to recording, finally. Uh, it is, I believe, I can say with considerable confidence, the most ambitious s- couple of hours of Star Trek audio ever attempted by any audio production uh, in our fandom. So it is taking us a very long time to make. The production values are extremely high. The story is incredibly demanding. Uh, and it will tax our both our cast and our crew to its very limits as we go forward. So it will take us uh, quite some time to make. Uh, and we just ask that you uh, continue to be patient and, uh, and support and enjoy the show. Uh, you can continue to get updates on our progress on our Facebook page, which is updated fairly regularly now with uh, news and and art from our wonderful artist, John Boss. And other than that, the next time we'll be talking to you, hopefully, is when we put out the finale of Season 3, The Graceful End. Uh, And I'm one of those uh, two cast members, crew members, who have uh, pulled an all-nighter working on this, and it is 9 a.m., and I am exhausted. So, have a great day. Happy Boxing Day. Uh, And I will uh, be releasing this later today.